Kia ora! This is Gwen. And this is Elisa. And together we're Yoke. The two best friends navigating our creative journey. We want to make a safe and nourishing space for budding pan-Asian creatives in Aotearoa. So, let's crack on. I am so excited to introduce our friend today uh, because even though we met over the internet, I immediately felt like I had known her for my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) And without further ado, uh, welcome to our space, Celine. Hi! (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about the work you do. I am a... It's odd to say. I am a writer and mm-hmm. an actor. So at the moment, I am working on a web series with TVNZ, which is really exciting. I'm writing at the moment an article for ABC, um, the one about um, mental health within Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. And wow. it's just taking a bit longer than I intended to, yeah. but it's going. Mm. Yeah, so I just write for different publications across Australia and New Zealand as well. Wow. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into maybe those different fields? So I I think a lot of people who do acting in Aotearoa Mm. just grow up doing drama in high school. Right. And Mm. so I, yeah, I did a lot of acting in high school, but that's just through drama. And I wasn't actually into writing either. So I've only recently gotten into writing in the last year because I was reading a lot of articles online and they didn't share the stories that I wanted to hear. Yeah. And so I started writing them myself and pitching them to a different oh, that's publication. So good. Yeah. Uh, same thing with acting. Well, not quite. I just really enjoy acting. Mm. So I went and I studied um, at NIDA earlier this year until I had to come back because of yeah. COVID. Mm. And I'm not sure whether or not I want to go back next year because I'm really enjoying the Auckland industry at the moment. Yeah, mm. that's really good. Yeah, so I'm kind of yeah. just in and around, taking the opportunities that come. Mm. And it's been going really well. Yeah. <laughs> What's your most favorite part about acting? I think devising theater or physical theater is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you want to because just um, explain it a little yeah. bit? Yeah. So devising so cool. theater is kind of you use more of your body rather yeah. than kind of using dialogue and whatnot. And yeah. So you're so they my director. I did a show that was completely devised in physical theater last year. And they just kind of say things like, now move your body. <laughs> like, That's cool. Now yeah. move, move your body like you're um, the, with the word bounce. And then you Ooh, have to move yeah. your body like bounce. And so last year, the show that I did was called Fleshies and it was at the Basement Theatre. Oh, and it was yeah. about uh, body insecurity and mm. uh, defeating like the whole body shaming of society and whatnot. Yeah. And it was really fun because we were all, like, by the end of the show, we were all in, like, nude lingerie, like, running around um, and just celebrating everyone in their different bodies. Yeah, Yeah, that was really fun. Did you have to break any, like, mental barriers for yourself when doing that? Yeah, we actually had to all, because I think it was a cast of maybe, like, 10 of us, probably more, actually. Right. Um, And we, throughout the different sessions, we all had to share, like, Mm. insecurities about our bodies and whatnot. Mm. Um, And it made it a really safe environment. Mm. Yeah, it's everyone of different body types, of different ethnicities. Wow. And so that was really fun to do. Yeah, devising's really different because you're kind of encompassing the type of person that you are and what yeah. you want to showcase right. through your body and your movements rather mm. than having to like be a completely different character. Mm. Yeah. Especially like being an Asian like actor as well. A lot of the roles that I'm having to fit myself into are mm. like typically white roles and then just oh, like putting yeah. an Asian person in front. Mm. Yeah. So that's why I'm really excited with the series that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. that it was actually an Asian writer, Jolin, who I met yeah. the other day. Oh. Um, 
and she wrote the role for a Chinese girl and then it goes deep into culture and it's not yeah. just about tokenism. So mm. I'm really excited um, and grateful that I got to play this role. Mm. Yeah. What attracts you to a role? Depth. Or actually, I think a lot of characters are written really surface level and I like being able to mm. kind of delve deeper into them and mm. a lot of what you present to a director or like a casting director when you go in for auditions is just a spin or characteristics of a character which they had never thought about themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really unique mm. when you come in and you present something that no one, no other auditionee presents. And I think that's what makes them like, wow, you're different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a great perspective to have going in and presenting yourself. Mm. Yeah, because I think in certain things as well, like maybe i get you though yeah like you you kind of <laughs> you're just written and you play a really surface level character yeah in certain shows or even like dramas on like i don't know mm. disney channel or something yeah uh so it's nice that you offer like an alternative to directors mm. which yeah just kind of compels them that only you right. can play this role for the character right mm. yeah so do you think the new zealand scene is is becoming more diverse then because there is just like yeah, there's like a massive fan base. And yeah, I think I our theatre industry mm. in um, Auckland in particular is right. quite diverse. There's like Proudly Asian Theatre, there's Priors Theatre, there's massive theatre company and I know that they have a lot of uh, Polynesian theatre actors That's that do it as well. And so it's mm. this diversity and this range that you see in theatre, but it's also more accessible because it's, you know, like Southeast Asian actors who mm. are making the theatre company or Asian actors who are making their own theatre companies. Mm. But it's really hard to do that with like production companies, like TV yeah. series and whatnot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Just going back to the, I think earlier you were talking about how you didn't see or hear many like stories that appealed to you. Mm. Do you just want to touch on like maybe what does and what you want to hear and I guess what you're trying to um, communicate yeah. and tell stories of? It's so weird when I'm in and around Auckland. Sometimes when I'm just walking around the city, I swear I just see people of colour. Like, I swear I don't even see white people sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean the city. Yeah, like, yeah. Auckland is so diverse. Mm -hmm. And so it's really strange growing up in Auckland and watching mm -hmm. TV, and you don't see that representation within our sources of media. Growing up, like, I watched a lot of Disney Channel, and I know that's America, and or Nickelodeon, whatever. And it just wasn't, you know, people who looked like me on TV. Yeah. And so now that I'm older and I have the opportunity to, like, create and write and whatnot, I want to hear – I want our stories. Yeah. I just want normalised Asian, ethnic, whatever stories yeah. to be present in the media because it's mm. so sad that we grow up and we look around us and it's all diverse and yet that isn't being portrayed on our screens. Mm. Mm. I like the idea of normalised. Yeah, it's definitely mm. normalising it because, you know, as much as we, like, throw, like, and try and, I don't know, bring light to Asian stories and whatnot, yeah. it's still just, like, bringing light to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's yeah. just, it's, it's the importance of it is normalising it, yeah. not just having a little section in yeah. the screen industry, the and whatever tokenism? industry. Oh, like, tokenism. Yeah, yeah. That, you know. Yeah, it's weird to put, like, me in a show and just replace me with, mm. like, what was written for a role for a white person. Right. Even in writing as well. Mm. It's, I think, and it's also the responsibility of 
people who possess privilege to bring more stories into their realm. Like if they sit mm. in positions of power, like what like what I usually say is it's it's your responsibility to make your society that you live in more ethical than the one you grew up in right. as like a child. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Because is that the idea of creatives? like seeding into like the future and like leaving a legacy? Oh, 100%. Yeah. For um, your children. Yeah, oh, for my, for yeah. my little ninos. <laughs> oh. Cute. Yeah, okay. I think it's really important. I, I want them to grow up with... Mm you know, actors on TV who they're like, oh my gosh, yeah. mm. I am also Chinese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see you. I see you, yeah. yeah. And obviously the complex of being Asian and growing up in Aotearoa, just growing up in Western societies, mm-hmm. is something that deserves being portrayed on screen mm-hmm. as well. That's mm. great, yeah. What inspires you to be so passionate about our Asian storytelling? My parents, yeah, my parents really inspire me. My, um, I, I see it in my mum because she grew up, she's born here. Mm. Um, she was born in rural Auckland. And when she went to school, she barely had, she was like one in five Asian people in a school of wow. just all um, white people. Yeah. And, I, and my dad as well, he was a refugee from the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just growing up and hearing both of stories from both my parents like wowed by them. I just think it's really important that they continue to be shared. Mm -hmm. And so many people don't, people think that New Zealand isn't racist as well, which is a big problem that I have. Because then it's almost like we're ignorant as Kiwis ourselves, that we're ignorant to the racism that so many people still are having to face. Mm -hmm. And I think that should be acknowledged as well in sharing stories. Because our country isn't perfect as mm. much as, you know, like the rest yeah. of the world views it. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so how, how do you see your role in not calling out people? Because I think that's quite aggressive. Mm. But, yeah, raising that issue. How do you... I think it's just supporting people to, to support us. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's difficult for me as well to be like, you're white. Now you need to make a platform for yeah. us Asian people to speak. Like it's... Yeah. It's both their responsibility to not even build platforms because I feel mm. like we're the ones who should be building platforms, yeah. but to just Maybe, listen yeah. and to like acknowledge us. Yeah. Just making space, I guess. Just make yeah. space. Yeah. Making space. Yeah. yeah. That's huge mm. because there is space for us in the industry yeah. and it's a growing industry. Yeah. Um, um, I know you did like a an article for the spin-off, yeah. which is really great because they're getting really big. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe you – yeah. What you've written for them, if you want to. So I was published with a spinoff last month, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. or earlier this month. I can't actually remember. But yeah, I wrote an article for the spinoff, which was an open letter to my Asian parents about my depression. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to write. Mm-hmm. I cried a lot in the process of writing the article because I had had the conversation with my parents and whilst I was writing the article, I realised that there was more that I actually had to say to them. And so it was nice when it was published that I could show it to them and be like, I actually have more to say mm. um, on this conversation. Asian culture in general is... I think it's unfair to say that we're, like, ignorant to it because just because it's the culture that we've grown up in and that our parents have grown up in mm. where we've been taught different coping mechanisms yeah to cope with like mental health and stuff 
and especially when living in like third world countries and whatnot, they didn't really have the they they didn't have time to think about mental health when they had yeah. so many other yeah. issues like you know like food and water and like mm-hmm. the roof over their head to think about. So I think measuring them on a Western model, like it's it's a deficit mm. model. Mm. Yeah. But it's difficult when we grow up here in Aotearoa and we're taught, you know, Western kind of models of mm. coping and mm. those type of mechanisms and our parents don't understand it. And mental health is also a really young field mm. um, of study. And so it's it's also not to blame for our Asian parents for not being aware of something that they yeah. never grew up uh, learning yeah. themselves. Yeah. Right. But all in all, Asian culture is decently unaware of mm. mental health. And so the conversation with my parents is hard, especially because I have it in another language, in Vietnamese, yeah. and I don't know words for depression or mental health in mm-hmm. Vietnamese. Um, and I've actually only like recently realized that they do exist in Vietnamese, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I actually had never heard of them. It was, it was really big to tell my parents about depression because it's, they've given me so much. And it's almost like me, yeah. I felt like I was pointing at them and being like, it's your fault, like you haven't done good enough mm-hmm. for me. Right. And it, it's, it's just not like that. Mm. But I feel like that's how they would have interpreted it. But yeah. I'm really grateful that they were super supportive and super patient with me, especially mm. because in other households, it's super different. And I know my parents are probably more progressive than a lot of other Asian parents. Yeah, so I decided to write about it because I feel like a lot of um, Asian people in Aotearoa would have to struggle mm. with the same and just acknowledging that they're not alone. It's definitely really important for mm. these issues that are like usually kept private to open up um, the conversation about it. Like, that's what therapy is for. Like That's um, what I just came from. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was oh. so good. Oh, hello. Yeah, I was going to so ask. How, how, yeah, how was Blowing. that? Yeah. <laughs> You're great. Got this stuff off your chest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she definitely helps me just, like, realise crazy stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh, you're yeah. amazing. And she's a refugee herself. She's Egyptian-Pakistani. Mm. Wow. Um, and so yeah. it's really great. Because she is aware of the struggles that I go through, the struggles that my parents have gone through mm-hmm. um, as immigrants, and yeah, she's super insightful, super pers- like perceptive. Mm. So I'm really grateful. I think therapy is huge, and that everyone should do it. Yeah. Yes. Like we all, we're all Asian growing up in Aotearoa, and we yeah. all have such different perspectives on who yeah, exactly. we want to become. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. we even want to affiliate ourselves with yeah. being Asian, because sometimes it drags us down Mm. um and it so shouldn't but sometimes it is a hindrance or it like an inhibitor in what we want to do yeah um which is really unfortunate but sometimes i don't know embracing it can also be something that propels you forward Mm -mm. yeah Yeah. what Mm. identity crises have you been having Gwen? yeah (laughs) i think my identity crisis during film school because i lived alone Mm. was definitely more of the media that I was consuming. A lot of the influences that I had on social media, like Instagram, were predominantly white. And I think body image as well, like that took a toll on me because I was like, oh, like not seeing myself when I was alone made me so confused about like Mm. who I should be and what stories I want to tell. Yeah, that was my crisis. Woo. Mm-hmm. Were you quite angry with like the stuff that you were consuming via I, social media and stuff? I wasn't angry. I think mm. I was just really naive. Like, mm. I didn't know how it was affecting me, but it was affecting me. Wow. Um, yeah. Unsubconsciously, 
and I was like oh if I want to be like them then I should do this and follow who they like what sort of things they do but mm. they're not the same as me like mm, 100% they're not the same different Genetic. genetics <laughs> yeah. different genetics different different folks different strokes Ooh. Hey, did you just make that up? No, I've heard it before. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that really affected me. And particularly when I was living by myself, I had to cook everything. Mm. And so that turned into like an eating disorder where I was like, oh, I, if I want to be like them, then I should do exactly what they did. But that in the end, like... Mm. destroyed like my body so mm. thankfully I had my mom and she made me like her her Chinese dishes and Aww. that like healed me back so I'm Bless. glad to be back and that's so good that makes me so happy yeah yeah um <laughs> but yeah definitely social media and just representation in general is so important because you get so drawn into it and that you become like this zombie that just like follows Fuck yeah. whatever the flow is yeah mm. but you need to like intersect that flow and yeah, be dang. like <laughs> hey <laughs> you're not alone i'm quite sharp yeah. <laughs> i'm in here too um, yeah gwen's chopping all over the place yeah. for people yeah. who are just like, it's like fruit ninja oh sorry fruit ninja i used to be into that yeah yeah same <laughs> No, because, yeah. like, we all grew up with, like, what, what did my voice just break just saying? <laughs> <laughs> we all grew up um, <laughs> with watching... Vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were literally just watching White Stars on TV, and so I was like, oh, my mm. gosh, she's so pretty. I want to be like her. But I will never be like her, you know? Like, I am Asian. Yeah. I will never <laughs> possess the genetics that she yeah. has. Yeah. Yeah. My eyes will never be as big as hers mm. or, like... I don't, I don't know if my face would have been as sharp as this. <laughs> really getting into the detail. <laughs> and so we, we even possess this beauty standard that mm. we just cannot reach. But that's for everyone in general because, you yeah. know, the beauty standard that's marketed to us is photoshopped yeah, and is, like, plastic surgery. And so we'll never be able to attain that. But even us as Asian girls looking up to, you know, white women – we'll never be able to attain that either. And so yeah. it's also really important that we have to, you know, kind of create our own standard of beauty. Mm. Well, not even, or like demolish the yeah. standard of yeah. beauty. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, I have a mm. question on social media then. Because I feel like for me, there's a war between like, oh, being on it and loving like the, I guess like what my friends post mm. and like, um, it does make things accessible and obviously like kind of like Gwen reaching out to you was yeah. really easy. Yeah. So then how do we maybe not encourage social media, but how do we change it? Because I, I know like for me, the default is just to like turn it off and not look at it. Yeah. But that's kind of like being, I don't know, ignorant yeah. and just leaving it and being complacent. So then how do we change social media then? I think oh, social media is super hard because there's mm. algorithms as well. And oh, so dang. social media is, is tailored <laughs> to each person. And yeah. so my news feed, my like explore feed is just hot Asian chicks. <laughs> and I'm like, I, it's just hot Asian chicks. And I'm like, yeah. I love all of you guys. I just yeah. want to be like you guys. And so that's why, that's my explore hey, feed. That's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. super sick. It's super sick. I'm like, wow, you guys are beautiful. I want to be just like you. <laughs> but I don't know. Social media is something that I'm actually... Like like you, I'm just trying mm. to 
distance myself from because yeah. it's really toxic it is sometimes yeah. and yeah. like sitting down and having conversations like this are really valuable mm. yeah just like kind of being present i've definitely like detoxified my feed and cut out any like followings oh so mm. that's good that like do not give me inspiration gwen is yeah. chopping the air you know what's coming i feel like most people do how do you like your eggs Oh, yeah. I don't like eggs. That's fine. Yeah. I've never really liked eggs when I grew up. There's this dish in Vietnamese called Mm -hmm. Tit Mm -hmm. and it's like pork belly and hard-boiled eggs. And I feel like most people fucking hate hard-boiled eggs. Right. But I love it in that dish. Oh, Um, we have a version of that too. Yeah. And I don't like Western eggs. I don't like them scrambled or fried poached right I, I i think it's a texture for yeah. me oh yeah yeah um that's, it makes like that's all gag. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so do you think our name when you heard it were you like <laughs> you're like interesting no i what thought it was super cute do you eat soy sauce with your eggs yes i think that's a very asian yeah thing. super yeah. asian thing hey mm-hmm. and so when i was growing that's up my dad would like when i used to like eggs he'd make me like a sunny side up oh, egg yeah and then i put soy sauce on it and then i get di- bread and i dip it in the yolk yeah yeah that's fucking yum yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. okay next question mm. who is another pan-asian creative that is inspiring you at the moment marianne infante marianne to wrote and starred in Pinai last year mm. um, at the Basement Theatre. And it was the very first theatre production that I'd seen within, with a majority Asian cast mm. and a Asian story. And it's inspired me to write a play, which is not coming along very well, <laughs> but <laughs> to write a play showcasing mm. my culture as well. She's great. And she's a badass. Yeah. And, she's wow. got, and she's super cute. Love that. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Okay, the final question. Leave it on a positive note. Uh, what do you hope for the future and I guess the rest of this year? I hope for normalization. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's it's really hard to say that because you can't really decipher the difference between what's normalized, what's what tokenism, yeah. what's you know, what's just like trendy. I guess, mm. you know, like I don't want black something like Black Lives Matter to be something that was trendy, but it yeah, kind of was mm. at the time. And so trying to normalize stories of, you know, black people in America, we're kind of having to have the same dilemma here of normalizing yeah. our stories as well. Mm. But I don't want it to just be a trend. And so I, mm. I, I'll see, I'll wait and I'll see what normalization becomes. And yeah. if I'm not happy with it, I'll just keep trying. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. What does <laughs> define normalization? Seeing media that represents what I see in real life. When I walk into the malls, when I walk around the streets. Mm. Auckland is super diverse, um, especially in East Auckland as well, where I've grown up my entire life. And so I want to see those people on my screens. I want to hear their stories mm. in my books and in my yeah. articles. Mm. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much for opening your heart and just like your soul to us today. Um, it was so great to have you on. And yeah, how can people find you? You can find me. On <laughs> <laughs> you can Give find us your number. On <laughs> Instagram at Celine Dam, D-A-M underscore. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful.
Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.